Today is a good day. What Hi. the heck was that? Well, I thought it'd be better than hello. I guess. Hi, babe. We record at the end of the day, and it's a good day. And it's not even late today because... Nope. We got no children. It's oddly quiet. We don't even have dogs. No dogs. We were supposed to be Drew and Ellie. The Holcombs. We were supposed to be watching you in an hour in Portland. What happened? In concert. I don't even know. And we had a babysitter overnight. Overnight babysitter and dogs staying overnight. And then all of a sudden, we regret to inform you that the concert is canceled. Drew and Ellie, we love you so much. And you're like family to us. Mm -mm. You're like family. Well done. So done. If you know Drew and Ellie Holcomb. Unless you're dying, you got some slaying to do. So we love you guys. And we know that you'll make good on the West Coast leg some point. We should probably um, backtrack a half second. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. This is a guy. Brain. And a Bible, and we are part of the Bar Podcast Network. We are here tonight to read the Bible and talk about it. But first, Drew and Ellie Holcomb. Yeah, so since our plans were crushed <laughs> yesterday, um, we decided, I was like, well, I guess we could get the dogs out of being boarded, but I had an appointment today, so I needed it quiet in the house anyway. Yeah. And so... We decided to splurge and have the dogs go ahead and stay the night. Why not? And it's quiet and there's no dog pee. No dog poop. There's we're, no dog poop. There's no chasing. You all know that we got a puppy. and we're, we're There's no shredded paper or anything. No. Nope. Anywhere. None of that. And the girls, our friend that was going to watch the girls, I said the concert was canceled. She said, you know what? Have a date night. I'll take the girls still. So it is a date and night. And so it's 7 o'clock and we're sitting on the couch. Well... We love we love what we do. Yeah, but we all we had an early dinner. We had a little treat and dinner with the girls at like because yep. I hadn't eaten all lunch at like four o'clock. So it's been a fun day, and I did my hair. Your hairs are did and look fine. So it is a date night. I got a hot bride tonight. And it's seven ten, and so I'm not that tired. Not yawning or anything. It's well, you know what's gonna happen. Now you said yawn, and I'm gonna yawn. I can't say the Y word. Oh, uh, you said the word yawn, and you started yawning. Don't do that. That's just you need a stronger. I don't know mind. what you're talking about. Stronger mind. I don't know what you're talking about. <coughs> so anyway, I'm gonna be deeper than I've ever been because I'm. It's seven o'clock. Nice. I like that. I like that. That's good. That's <laughs> not not saying much. It's saying enough. <laughs> Saying a lot, saying some things. All right, so we're going to read Genesis 32, 1 through 33, 20. So Genesis 32 and 33. Yep. And Matthew 24, starting in verse 29. And it's just a little bit through 25, 13. And then depress ourselves with some Ecclesiastes 7, 22 to 29. I don't know about depression. Uh, it's usually um, all is vanity. Yeah, I know. I know. Chasing after a wind. Well, no, it's not, it's not wrong. Solomon's not wrong. You know what? I don't feel like our life is chasing after wind. Thank you very much. No, it's not chasing after wind. But I, but that uh, life outside of Christ is. Yeah. Well, even life as if a you Christian, pursue wealth, if you yeah. pursue notoriety, you pursue your name, all those things. That's when all that's yeah. really legit. There are some days where I'm like, "What am I doing all this for?" Like, if it's something that really doesn't feel like it has meaning, I'm yeah. like, "This was a day I'm never going to get back." Yeah, there have been many yeah. times I'm like, I want those 15 minutes back, please. 
but not time with you, my darling. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what was that? I became a person in a romance my novel darling. for a minute. I call you darling all the time. When I'm not around, maybe. No, I don't. Oh my gosh. My handsome darling. Okay, what is it? What's going on here? What is this? You you're feeling some good. I I feel like I can finally relax. Yeah, I can feel. And I feel a little punchy, but in a good way. I like it. It's all kinds of sass. Here it comes. Here you go. Let's do it. Oh, um, dang it. I can't say anything about it because I'm going to drop this episode tonight. Okay, okay. For the couple people that are going to listen to this. Hey. Well, there's a conference coming up that we, part of our part of, part of our network, got a little little message today to drop a little, little uh, promo for a conference for one of our network brothers. Is it your brother? Is it your... It's... I can't drop a name, but they are going to put on their first conference in D.C. Why can't you drop their name? I was... Well, I, I don't know if I can because Dwayne, hi, brother, um, said uh, in the in the thread, um, we could uh, drop stuff tomorrow after one or something like that. Oh, you're so... so... But I'm not dropping yeah. names right so now. So look, look out for on the Bar Network for some stuff coming out. Yeah. Oh, I have to say... Um, just a little digression of banter, um, just because it's funny. Yeah. We um, we were laughing in church. Oh my gosh! On Sunday, yeah. So I was hoping you'd bring it up actually because that was so fun. Yeah. Oh my so gosh! So we terrible. were at church. We just started going to a new church because we're heathens. We're not heathens. We're just picky. Picky. We we just want so some <laughs> some solid biblical. Teaching. We want some awesome expositional teaching. Yes. And we want worship that does not come out of Bethel elevations Ooh, you just named or hillsongs. Oh, named I'm totally names. naming names. I'm dropping names right there. I was just going to say no. worship that doesn't focus no. on ourselves. I'm going to throw it down, man. I'm not going to back down. Okay. I'm not backing down. Anyway, we went to a new church for the second time. And we it would, they ended... A series our first time. They were finishing up Daniel. Yeah. Which and I then, love Daniel. I love a good Daniel. Yeah, but it was the very end. So it was a little bit like the That's summary. Okay. But yeah. it was nice to... I thought they summarized it. Yeah. They gave some good take-home points. And then, so it was the start to a new series. On? on Sunday. On Mowage. Whoa. Yeah. We're wow, right. it's creepy. It's crazy. Yeah. Mowage. So, That's a good thing. And they had sermon notes. And so I showed him... And, and he just kind of shook his head. And then he was talking about, you know... You'll be surprised. Ephesians chapter 5 was the, yeah. the key verses. Oh, you oh, still have no, it? No, I don't. I have it somewhere. Okay. So, um, anyway, a lot of the stuff he said is stuff that we talk about. Yeah. And... Oh, my gosh, yes. So we... But it was funny because he said, you know, so if you're struggling in your marriage or if you're divorced or if you're single or you know we just want to encourage you and I was like I'm so glad we're here because <laughs> it's touch and go it's you touch know, and go with us and we needed this and so we're just being like totally sassy we're like, being the absolute rebellious kids in the back yeah. of the class and um what was the part where we laughed really hard though at I, the end I, I'm babe I don't remember we almost got we, we were cracking up I thought you were going to go to the bathroom yeah what was it there. 
It was like something towards the end. I don't, you don't remember. remember. No, because we were laughing also because of my improv during worship. That was. Oh, that, that was hurting was... you. That was hurting you. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a, a character I play at times. Gosh, let's just not. Let's not. Do a little. Let's not. Nope. Okay. Anyway, we were <laughs> laughing really hard. But my point is, but That's we were, I was like, so we should just offer to be guest speakers. So we were just totally talking oh, trash. Yeah, yeah. Because it was about like enjoying each other and really how your counterparts, like how marriage is about, yeah. um, you know, women are not Under, less than. Lesser, fra- fragile. He used the fragile. But you explained that was hot. It was hot. Oh, thanks. So he said the weaker vessel, and you said that's actually not correct. Yeah. Well, no, he. I thought he used the term fragile. <coughs> no, he said weaker vessel. weaker vessel. And you said that's not a good translation. That's right. No offense. What's your name at the, the church? Yeah. I'm not going to say their name. Yeah. Well, the actual translation, a lot of people, when they hear weaker vessel, they think something that is um, of lesser value. That is because it's weak. It is... Um, perhaps maligned just i mean that whole it, it's a negative connotation but the reality is it's it's more along the lines of an absolutely perfectly crafted and fragile vase think of an incredibly expensive vase that or vase that could shatter because it is so delicate but it's priceless that is a better analogy to what paul was communicating so it is my responsibility to make sure that that priceless vessel is cared for at all times. And you do. That's what I want. That yeah. I mean, people, it's it's the real deal. It like isn't you, that you're weak and no, inferior. You never make me feel inferior. You are priceless and worth adoring. Anyway, this is not for show. This is honestly how you make me feel. I love you. That's, that's how, a pretty powerful that's, I thing. Feel, I feel called into that. Yeah, it's pretty powerful to actually back it up with action, though. Because we want things you're like, oh, you're so precious to me. And then, you know, don't yeah. do that. No. Nope. Anyway, so it was just kind of cool because a lot of stuff you said are things that we try to aspire. We're not perfect, clearly, you know, but things that we aspire to and things that we are aligned with in a lot of ways. So, yeah. But it was just funny because we were just we were just being so sassy. I did say something, or you were just yeah. You had tears. What was it? I don't know, but I love those moments. You can't remember because it, it was just the perfect moment. It was the perfect moment. I hate that though because I'm like I want to remember it. Anyway, we had a lot of fun. No, yeah. <coughs> All right. Okay, so I digress. Digress, migress. Did you write something down? I did, but I'm not gonna remember what you did. Oh, okay. Um, rock tumbler. Oh, did you like that analogy? Yeah. This one thing, this woman um, is the consummate note taker during sermons. She will grab anything that has space on it and start scribbling notes. I've never been the guy. I've never been able to sit down and take notes during a sermon. You are amazing. Look at you. you got a whole journal full of sermon notes, too. Well, then it jogs my memory. <clears throat> I love that you do that. The goal is to put the gospel on display. Oh, I love the that. The goal of marriage yeah. is to actually reflect... God's glory and attract people towards him more than anything else. Yeah. Isn't that cool? We heard that when we were dating in one of the books we were reading, but I, I love that you, that he brought to the, to the fore 
a gospel-centric marriage Mm -hmm. so that your marriage on display should lead people to Christ. Yeah. Should cause them to say, I want to know this Jesus because my marriage doesn't look like this. Yeah, and And or for, because, you know, I love working with college students. I really hope that people will be like, that's what I want. Yeah. You know, not, I mean, we've got plenty of things, like plenty of things that we need to work on but hopefully we love each other well and we speak well of each other. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Okay. That was a digression, but I thought it was just I That's thought it was just cool and we had some good laughs at it too because basically we're like Nobody else was laughing in church by the way. No. We were. No, cuz there was a lot of just a lot of side yeah. side comments and you just do crack me up. <laughs> I love cracking you. We we have a good time. Do. Okay. Shall do you want to pray? Let's pray. Okay. Lord God, we come before you this night with grateful hearts for your presence, for this really uh, great night of peace and focus with each other and on your word. Um, Help us to really uh, be hungry to know your word tonight and every night. Um, God, I want to divert just a little bit and pray for the Ukraine uh, tonight was happening um, with the attacks uh, we pray, O oh God, that you would prevail, that your your will would prevail. We pray for your church, um, our brothers and sisters who are um, in harm's way. We pray for them tonight. Pray for the, those orphanages that are ministering to so many um, in the Ukraine, Lord God. Protect them. Protect them in, and have um, stories of your miraculous intervention. On their behalf, come forward, Lord God. Bring an end to this swiftly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let us do some reading. Jacob has been busy. uh, To to recap, anybody's not listened to the previous episodes, you might want to go back. But this is the segment where Jacob has now left Laban. Um, He took off. He took off pretty rich. Headed back toward where he came from, which is where Esau's at. And kind of freaked out that he's headed from, you know, it's like out of the frying pan into the fire. Uh, quick recap, or uh, my, my recap here for what's going forward. Uh, twenty Verses 1 through 21. After making a covenant of peace with Laban, uh, Jacob must confront the problem he left to escape Esau. He sends a message to his brother and he learns that Esau is coming with 400 men. That does not sound very inviting. Assuming Esau is a threat, Jacob divides his camp so that Esau cannot attack the entire group. He prays that God will deliver him, and he prepares a gift for Esau, hoping to appease him. All right, so that's the layout, and here we go. And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when he saw them, Jacob said, This is the camp of God. And he called that place Mahanaim, or Naim. And then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brothers, to the land of Seir, the territory of Edom. Now pause a sec. This is one of those moments where we in our Western mind don't grasp what just happened because we get two verses that something amazing just took place. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Can we just pause for a second? Wouldn't that just be 
the most insane experience of your life. You're bailing out of one place, kind of scared where you're going, not exactly happy where you left, and the angels of God met him. He didn't pray for this. He wasn't seeking God or anything. They just showed up. But what happened? We got nothing. <laughs> we got nothing. Why'd they meet him? Were they talking? Were they having a party? Did they need directions? You know what? Because you were just kind of starting to read and I was just following along. I just, I missed that whole first verse. Yeah, see? Yeah. You, you can, our Western mind, we don't grab these like, things. Like, I was just walking down the street and a bunch of angels met me. Like, that would be, that would be a pretty big deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of huge. And it's not just one. A lot of times in the Bible we get this, and the angel yeah. of the Lord. Yeah. You know, not the angels of the Lord. Okay. So it's kind of a big deal. A uh, little note here that I've got is that ver- phrase, angels of God. This exact phrase occurs everywhere. Oh, I'm sorry. Elsewhere only in chapter 28, verse 12, also in connection with Jacob. Spiritual messengers from God, like those Jacob earlier witnessed, now meet him in a tumultuous time. And that verse says, And he dreamed, and behold, a stairway was set on the earth, and its top touched the heavens. And behold, angels of God were going up and down on it. So that's the only time we see that. And we have another note here. uh, Chapter 35, it's coming up, verse 7. And he built an altar there, and he called that place El Bethel. For there God had appeared to him when he fled before his brother. So this is a big deal, but we don't know why, and we don't know what. Something happened. We won't know. We can only speculate. Sorry for the diversion. Verse 3. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, the land of Seir, the territory of Edom. And he instructed them, saying, Thus you must say to my lord to Esau. And thus says your servant Jacob, I have dwelled as an alien with Laban, and I have remained there until now. And I have acquired cattle, male donkeys, flocks, male and female slaves, and I have sent to tell my Lord to find favor in your eyes. And the messengers returned to Jacob, and they said, We came to your brother, to Esau, and he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was very frightened and distressed. So he divided the people, the flocks, the cattle, and the camels who were with him into two parties. And he thought, if Esau comes to one company and destroys it... The remaining company will be able to escape. Then Jacob said, Of God, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Yahweh, who said to me, Return to your land and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of all the loyal love and all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please rescue me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me, mother and children alike. Now you yourself said, I will surely deal well with you and make your offspring as the sand of the sea that cannot be counted for abundance. And he lodged there that night, and he took from what he had with him a gift for Esau his brother, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels, with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. And he put them under the hand of his servants, herd by herd. And he said to his servants, 
cross on ahead before me and put some distance between the herds. Then he instructed the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, comes upon you, and he asks you, saying, Whose are you and where are you going? To whom do these animals belong ahead of you? Then you must say to your servant, to Jacob, It is a gift sent to my lord, to Esau. Now behold, he is also coming after us. And he also instructed the second servant and the third and everyone else who was behind the herds, saying, You must speak to Esau according to his word when you find him. And moreover, you shall look. You shall say, Look, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, Let me appease him with the gift going before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will show me favor. So the gift passed on before him, and but he put himself, oh, but he himself spent that night in the camp. Any thoughts, comments before I move on? <clears throat> no. Do you think that this is a noble act of Jacob or a dishonest act of Jacob? Um, he's trying to appease, so it's definitely. He's, I think he's just trying to save his, like he's just trying to cover, not cover his butt, but he's trying to prevent disaster, I think, right? Well, I think, yeah, it's definitely a prevention measure. Um, verse 20, the Hebrew word here is kafar, which may be literally rendered, quote, to cover over. It's often used in the Old Testament to describe atonement. The covering over of sin. And there's several notes involved in that. So I think that this is what it is. It was his best efforts to atone for everything he did. Stealing the birthright, so stealing was, all that. I think it was on his heartfelt? part. I think it was fear, but it was also heartfelt. I think so it was, it was some repentance there? I think it was. Okay. Otherwise, I don't think kafar would be used. I, that's just my, my opinion. Okay. Um, little note here is Jacob anticipates his brother's <clears> arrival. <throat> God appears as a man, and he wrestles with Jacob. We're about to get to this. Jacob refuses to relent until God blesses him, and after God blesses him, Jacob renames the place to reflect his encounter with God. The story explains the origin of the name <coughs> Israel, as God changes Jacob's name to Israel. I love this part. Probably my, whole, my favorite part with Jacob's life. Then That night, Jacob arose, and he took his two wives... And his two female slaves and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and he sent them across the stream. Then he sent across all his possessions and Jacob remained alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. Pause. That is some of the worst writing ever. There's no transition there. <laughs> it's just, let's get up. Let's go across the river. And I'm going to wrestle this guy. That is so random. So, I don't know what the deal is with that. But all of a sudden, he's wrestling. There had to have been an event. You know, some sort of... Jacob looks around, and all of a sudden, one person's there. Do they have words? I don't know. Uh, and he... Verse 26. 25. And when he saw that he could not prevail against him... He struck his hip socket so that Jacob's hip socket was sprained as he wrestled with him. Basically knocked it out of joint. And then he said, let me go for dawn is breaking. But he answered, I will not let you go 
unless you bless me. Then he said to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked and said, please tell me your name. And he said, why do you ask this for my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Paniel, which means I have seen God face to face and my life was spared. Then the sun rose upon him as he passed Panuel, and he, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, the Israelites do not eat. Uh, where did it go? I just lost it. To this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew. The sinew of the sciatic nerve that is upon Ew. the socket of the hip. Ew. Because he struck the socket of the thigh of Jacob at the sinew of the sciatic nerve. Kind of weird. Kind of specific. Yeah. I always wrap it up this way when I tell this story to, to my, my students. Be careful when you demand a blessing from God because chances are you're going to walk away with a limp. Yeah, Ryrie has a couple cool things to say. <clears throat> okay. So for 24, the man who wrestled Jacob is called an angel in Hosea 12.4 and was evidently the pre-incarnate Christ. Christophany! Jacob's wrestling involved agonizing prayer, and that's from Hosea 12.4. And then for 25 through 28, God allowed himself to be overcome by Jacob, although he crippled him. Whether temporarily or for the rest of his life is not stated. His limp, however, was proof that this was no mere dream. The Lord wanted to depart before daylight lest Jacob see him. And that says cross-reference Exodus 33.20. But Jacob insisted on being blessed first. So God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means he fights or persists with God. And then Ryrie puts in parentheses in prevailing prayer. Nice. So I don't think that, obviously, Jacob cannot overpower God. But what I think... And using that Ryrie text with it. So you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And I would almost think prevailed over your your weakness. You've prevailed or persisted. Like you haven't given up. Okay. I like that. I like that. Because we're not going to overcome God. No. No. And I think sometimes we think that we can. Well, if we look at... With Jake, our prayers. Yeah. Well, Jacob was fearful at this moment. He's scared of Esau. <clears throat> and also he's wrestling a stranger. So it's it's really interesting. That just kind of jumps into there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I once heard it said by a pastor, "Never trust a, a leader who doesn't limp." Specific to pastoral leaders, because that means they haven't wrestled with God, mm-hmm. and their life should have a bit of a limp in it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. I kind of like the analogy. I do like that. All right, chapter 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and look, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men were with him. And he divided the children among Leah and Rachel, and among the two of his female slaves. And he put the female slaves and their children first. (laughs) All right, all right, you guys, you go ahead. (coughs) Oh my gosh. Then, then Leah. And her children, and then Rachel and Joseph last. The order of importance to your father. Do you see this? It's terrible. And he passed, he himself passed on before them. He bowed down to the ground seven times until he came to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell upon his neck and kissed him and they wept. 
Then Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are these with you? He said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the female slaves drew near, they and their children, and they bowed down. Then Leah and then her children drew near, and they bowed down. And after Joseph and Rachel drew near and bowed down. And he said, What do you mean by all this company that I've met? Then he said, To find favor in the eyes of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have. Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your eyes, you must take my gift from my hand. For then I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God. And you have received me. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you. For God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him, so he took it. Then he said, Let us journey and go on, and I will go ahead of you. I'll pause for a sec. That really is a beautiful moment of restoration between two brothers. Mm-hmm. That moment of, of remorse, of reconciliation, but dare I use the term restorative justice, mm-hmm. where Jacob was, took something at cost of him to restore a relationship with his brother in symbolism of what he stole from his brother. Mm-hmm. And, what and is, I like Esau's reply. So 3312, oh, yeah. Ryrie says, I will go before. He says, better, near or alongside. Mm-hmm. Esau's suggestion that they travel together as well as his further offer to send a guard with Jacob are both refused. So Esau accepted that and didn't have a grudge and, yeah. you know, also wanted that reconciliation. And something's going to turn a little sideways here. because we're But doing, that moment's still nice. That moment's great, but Jacob's Jacob. Yeah. So let's see what's up. All right, verse uh, 13. 13, thank you. But he said, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and the flocks and the cattle which are nursing are a concern to me. Now if they drove them hard for a day, all the flocks would die. Let my Lord pass on before his servant, and I will move along slowly at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me, and at the pace of the children until I come to the Lord in Seir. Esau said, Let me leave some of my people with you. But he said, What need is there? Let me find favor in the eyes of my Lord. So Esau turned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob traveled on to Succoth, and he built for himself a house. He made shelters for his livestock. Therefore he called the name of the place Succoth. And Jacob came safely into the city of Shechem, which is on the land of Canaan, on his way from Padan Aram. And he camped before the city, and he bought a piece of land where he pitched his tent for 100 pieces of Money, well, what are we looking at for money? Kasita, which is Hebrew, Kasita, from the hand of the sons of Hamer, the father of Shechem. And there he built an altar and he called it El Elhoe Israel, El the God of Israel. So Jacob did not go all the way with Esau. It's really interesting. A lot of gaps, time gaps in this chapter. Because he doesn't continue on with his brother. Why does his brother turn around and come back and say, Hey man, where are you at? You know, and he even builds a house and buys land. This isn't just something that happened over the course of a minute. So this took time. Just an interesting thing that for me, I don't know, I don't narrative bothers me. But that's just my own proclivities. Okay. Alright, Matthew 24, verse 29. The beauty of my bride, please. Entreat us. <clears throat> but 
But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, nor the Father, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed the house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not <clears throat> expect him and at an hour which he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. And that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and for you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some of it for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Mm. Is that it? That's it. That's okay. it. I had one of my kids come up to me today uh, during our Bible class and ask me this very question. He asked me this very question. How will we know when Jesus comes back? Because he was, we're reading through Matthew, but we're at the beginning of Matthew. We're in chapter seven right now. And I don't know, he just randomly asked this question. I was like, well, what do you, I said, well, when he first came, it was kind of an undercover operation. And it wasn't the way that it was expected. I said, but the Bible makes it clear that he comes back 
the second time, the whole world's going to see it. So it's so cool that we're reading this tonight. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, not show some party atmosphere. They will mourn. That's kind of key. We Another thing we skip over. We, as Christians, we're all kind of, hey, man, I can't wait to see Jesus. It's going to be great. When he comes back, I'm going to, woo! Um, we're all going to mourn because we are sinful men and women. And there are going to be plenty of people that aren't going to repent. And plenty of people is going to be too late. But this is a time when it's we know it's coming. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to not suffer his wrath but we're going to mourn for those who will and those who are seeing him that will suffer his wrath are going to mourn because of what's coming that's what we're talking about here the son of man will come arriving on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory that does not sound like a hidden spectacle yeah it sounds rather enormous yeah he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call they will gather his elect from the four corners from one end of heaven to the other. That is pretty intense and specific. It just is. So, my man Dylan, there's your answer. Um, you know, which one has always caused me a little bit of, not uh, consternation, but a little confusion is the fig tree. Mm-hmm. It's always, always something where it's like, um, we go from this beautiful thing to the fig tree. The, uh, just as victory gives clear indications as to when summer arrives, so too will the events of this chapter indicate the arrival of the Son of Man. Um, a lot of people have questions about this generation, and there's plenty of stuff in there. There's a note in Mark 13.30 here. Um, Jesus seems to be referring to the present age of humanity before God's rule is fully established. The context of Jesus' <clears throat> remark is the final judgment, which will occur at a time known only to the Father. This seems to rule out the possibility that Jesus is referring only to the generation of the people in his day. Because it does seem to, when you hear this generation not pass away, but then it's clear we're looking <coughs> at end of days. So this generation, so 2434? Yeah. Ryder has a cool point here. What's he got? No one living when Jesus spoke these words lived to see all these things. Correct. Come to pass. However, the Greek word can mean race or family, oh. which makes good sense here. I.e., the Jewish race will be preserved in spite of terrible persecution until the Lord comes. Oh, Isn't that cool? I that is enormously different than generation in terms of time. Yeah, the Greek word can mean family or race. So let's look at this. So truly, I say to you, this race will ne- never pass away until all these things take place. This ethnic group will never pass away. Mm-hmm. Wow. That clears everything up. Makes sense, right? Because otherwise, otherwise, it seems like the verse is lying. Yeah. Or and, confusing. And well, the thing is... Not those, lying, sorry. The, well, confusing. No, those who are unbelievers or people who like to tweak the Bible, they always go to that and say, see, Jesus was wrong. Right, exactly. They, they do that constantly, and they'll exactly. use that verse. And this isn't a stretching of it. If you look at it like this, like maybe we have the wrong translation, or the you know, there's different yeah. layers of meaning, right? Yeah. Um, another thing. So thirty-seven, thirty-nine. 
The days of Noah were times of carousing and unpreparedness as they will be at the second coming. Mm-hmm. The flood removed the wicked. Christ will do the same at his return. Yeah. So just thinking about parallels. The other parallels have to do down to the slave of the, the faithful slave and the unfaithful slave. And then to drive it home, it's the same story, but now we're using virgins waiting for the bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And this, I always think of Keith Green when I read this passage. <coughs> I wish we'd all been ready. His song. He wrote that? I think he wrote that. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I we'll think We'll have to look nice. that up. Oh, you know what it is? It's probably the second chapter of Acts. They're all the same time. Okay. Um, but just real quick on those, on those ten virgins. Um, at the end here where it says in, in verse 11, later the other virgins also came trying to get into the party. But he answered them and he said, Truly I say to you, I don't know you. That's the second time Jesus has said that. Yeah, I don't want to ever hear that. No. Because remember he, he said that when... Those who practice lawlessness. Well, when he said, those who say, Lord, Lord, and he's, um, did we not do healings in your name? Did we not do signs and miracles in your name? Did we not feed the homeless? No, I I didn't know you. So that's pretty intense stuff, guys. Yeah. I think what is key then is we don't want to do service in the name of the Lord. We want to know the Lord. Yeah, and I've I've tried to do that before. I mean, I still, I still believed in I still was a Christian, but like I've tried to like when we first when I first moved to Salem, like there was the church we were going to out of yeah. all these different things. I was like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this, and it was a good. Um, there were good causes to be involved in. Yeah. But this, what we're doing now. Yeah. We're really trying to, to know who he is and get to know him more. Yeah. And even though I I hate how busy we are and with. Life. With life and school and everything. Like, there's these temporary things. Uh-huh. But I hope, and I know this is your heart too, that we're going to be able to to serve others. It's, I, I think we, we can't just stay here and just be like studying, studying, studying all the time. But hopefully it will, the goal is for it to flow out from this to serving people. Mm-hmm. But if we focus so much on doing stuff all the time, then we can miss the, the point. Yes. And I think that I, I can fall into that trap because I like to stay busy. Yeah. So, anyway. All right, so Ecclesiastes chapter 7. All right, let's do this. Verse 22 through 29. Verse 22. For your heart knows that you also have cursed others many times. All this... <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. All this I have tested with wisdom. I said, I will be wise. But it was beyond my grasp. Whatever is, it is far beyond comprehension. Who can discover it? I set my mind to try to seek wisdom in the plan and to know that wickedness is foolishness and that folly is delusion. I myself found that more bitter than death is the woman who is a trap, whose heart is a snare and whose hands are bonds. The one who pleases God escapes from her, but the sinner is caught by her. Look, I found this, said the teacher. While trying to find out, while trying to find how the plan fits together, what well, my heart sought, I didn't find. Although I found one righteous man among a thousand, I did not find one upright woman among all these. Look, this alone I found: God made mankind upright, and they had devised many schemes. That's a mic drop. 
That right there is a mic drop. <coughs> so this is kind of a big deal. This isn't like the blues. But <clears throat> where is it at when it comes in? This was, as I was reading this, it was coming to me. Um, verse 27, look, I found this. While trying to fit, find out how all this plan fit together, what my heart sought, I did not find. Although I found one righteous man, I didn't find one upright woman. <laughs> so, what my heart sought, I did not find. That is tripping me up right now. I mean that because that is the advice that we hear from everybody in the world. We hear from positive feeling teachers in the church. Listen to your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Manifest your dreams. Are we not hearing this today like crazy? Oh. Is it everywhere? Yes. Here Solomon is talking about that. How long ago was this book written? And he's even showing us how deceptive the heart is. Yeah. The heart's compelling him to go and look for this thing that can't be found. And I love how it ends in 29. Mm -hmm. God made mankind upright. Adam and Eve made them upright. But they have devised many schemes. I got a little note on 29. It says, probably a reference to the first chapters of Genesis. Oh, really? God created humanity good. But Adam and Eve sinned by seeking their own wisdom apart from God. That's kind of a thing, isn't it? And even so, because of that, it affects all of us to this very day. So may God have mercy upon us as we realize that as his word reveals to us our own shortcomings this week. Be careful, my brothers and sisters, this week. God made us upright, but we have devised many schemes. And therefore, I'm inferring this part. Now we're crooked. Now we're bent over. Yeah. Ryrie says, though God made men upright, they have been corrupted by their pursuit of foolish pleasures. And I think that's kind of important because it might not even be like a super sinful thing. Sure. But we can turn anything into an obsession or into like something that takes our attention. Like this is kind of what got us started on all this a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Was me realizing that some of the stuff that I was studying and reading about was really just taking, is keeping attention on me and yeah. on um, understanding personality and understanding that blah, 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 blah. Um, and so that's not a understanding personality isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's not it's not as wise as hey, I haven't read that verse what about understand your personality right understand yourself dive into yourself right so I would say that falls into that um, a foolish pleasure could even be to like just be so curious about yourself that that because then you're not going to be doing you're not going to be serving others that's true because I have to you know I just have to work on myself yeah I'll, I'll go into that season of ministry once I learn to love myself and I hope I didn't just contradict myself because I am doing school right now that's entirely different you're not studying yourself but you're improving I'm, yourself yeah so that you can Ministry but actually, others. it's kind of cool because I do get to help people with my clinical. That's true. Anyhow, that this wraps was it up. nice, babe. It was great. There was zero interruptions. Yeah. No dog wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. We do love our dogs and we do love our girls, but. Always. And you guys um, know that from hearing the show. Yep. 
but it is also nice to just be together and yeah. not be tired. So thanks for listening to us. I am Mark. I'm the guy. I'm Andrea and the bride. We just got done reading the Bible. Have a great night.